Well, I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit is doing this year. I do sense the activity of God at a fresh and powerful level. It doesn't surprise me, but I'm always grateful. God always has another level for us. My passionate desire is that we would experience life at the level of which Jesus came to offer. He said, I have come that you might have life. Have it to the full. He's speaking of life at another level. Last week I talked to you about my great niece, uh, Rayleigh, who is really learning to talk. And when we were walking around in this restaurant after we'd been seated at this table for quite some time, we just took a trip. And we found a bouquet of balloons. They were filled with helium but tied down. And then we saw one that had been released and there over National Harbor, over the Potomac River, it was just soaring uh, higher and higher. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And said, that is life at another level. And you, you must address what it is that ties you down. What was in that balloon, what was indwelling that balloon, was everything needed to soar. But there had to be a release so that it could go on and, and experience all the potential that was contained on the inside. The Holy Spirit indwells you and me at salvation. And that is all the potential that we will ever need. To live life at the level of which Jesus came to offer. What we have to do is focus on whatever it is that ties us down. Asking God to help us so that there can be victory at that place in our character. So that there can be a release to life at another level. I believe the way we experience this is to discover what it really means to walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is something that's been talked about in the local church. You hear the phrase, walk in the spirit. And I refuse to let that concept, that thought, be something that we can't grab. To kind of leave it as mysterious. As something we'd like to do, but we don't really know how to bring it into a practical application. The Bible brings it into a very practical, powerful, life-changing application. So today, let's experience this again. So I invite you to take your Bibles. And I encourage you to reach for them and let's go to Galatians 5. Phones, iPads, actual books, the Bible. Open up scripture. Bring it before you and let's allow the power of his word to challenge us today. Galatians chapter 5, the beginning place is verse 16. First verse of the passage we read today starting at 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Right? With that verse up there for us, I want to read it in the NIV. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Put with that the New American Standard. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And now King James Version. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The reason I put those up in parallel fashion is so that you can grip that what he's speaking of is walking in the Spirit as a way to confront this controlling, sinful nature called the flesh. Notice what that verse doesn't say. It doesn't say, if we walk in the Spirit, we won't have the desires of the flesh. 
be clear on that. It says if we walk in the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So the sin nature and temptation is still operational. But if we walk in the Spirit, the sin nature loses its control. The law of gravity says whatever goes up has to come down. That is a law that is in place. But using appropriately the law of aerodynamics, you can defy the law of gravity. Though the law of gravity is still in place, it's lost its control. If I walk in the spirit of life, according to Romans 8, it allows me to break out of the control of the law of sin and death. If I walk in the spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. As we look at this verse, another challenge is that we don't flip the order of the verse. I don't get my fleshly nature under control so that then I can walk in the spirit. I don't get into this self-improvement process so that then I can be acceptable to God and be empowered of His Spirit to walk at another level of life. Look at this quote. The Lord put this in my heart this week. We don't make ourselves better so we can walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit so we can be better. Can you say amen to that? So it is the Spirit that empowers my ability to resist the the draw, the temptation of the flesh, it is the power of the Spirit that overrides the power of sin and death. It is the power of the Spirit that gives me victory so that sin's power loses its control. Verse 17. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. I want to put the focus on the fact that the flesh and the spirit are in conflict. They will never cooperate with each other. There are some playoff games happening in the NFL today. And I can promise you this entire week, defensive coordinators and their defense have been strategizing so that they can set themselves effectively against the offense. Offensive coordinators and their offense have been working all week strategizing so that they can set themselves and even advance against the defense. We will not see one player on offense go out and look at a player on the opposing team who's playing defense and say, could we like reason together. Could we work something out? Could we uh, cooperate? We are about to hand the ball to this fullback. He's going to come right off this guard and, and he needs a lane right over here so that he can advance the ball and even make a touchdown. Do you think we can work together on this? The offense and the defense are in conflict. Your flesh will never cooperate with your spirit. And your spirit will never cooperate with the flesh. If we try to stir up some spiritual passion on Sunday, but then we open ourselves to fleshly deeds on Monday, 
We're then that Roman 7 Christian doing what we don't want to do, not doing what we want to do, and we live in the middle of being miserable, like Paul said. I'm miserable because they're in conflict. It's the civil war of the soul. And it's, it's good for Christian people to acknowledge that this battle goes on. Now, here's some good news. In the spiritual scheme of things, the offense has the edge. The spirit of life is more powerful than the spirit and the law of sin. Aren't you glad for that? So we're not left to see how the game may end. It's not up for grabs if we yield to God. We are taught that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And what that means is greater is he that is in us than the one who sets himself against us. The minute that God spoke to Adam and Eve and set up some boundaries, they had about a thousand yeses and one no. God said, don't eat of that tree because the day you do, you'll die. Satan comes right in and conflicts, contradicts that very word and says, you won't die. The reason he's telling you that is because he knows that the day you eat of that tree, you're going to be as wise as him. The flesh and the spirit. You let the spirit convict you of a certain direction, of a certain choice. The flesh will come right along and contradict it and be in conflict with it. You let the flesh offer a temptation that that really is attractive and it has a lure to it because sin is fun. And the reason it's fun is because we have a fleshly nature. And then the spirit rises up in that moment and tries to point out not just the the short-term pain of that choice, but the long-term implications of that choice and tries to redirect us. The spirit never says, it's okay, you can go with that fleshly leading this time. The flesh never says, I'll cooperate with the spirit this time. They are in battle. They are in war, but greater is he that is in us than the one who has set himself against us. So let me use the football analogy. The Spirit of God is working in your life because you're walking in the Spirit. The Spirit then makes way. You've got the defensive measures of the enemy against you. But faithful is he who has called you who also will do it. In the hour of temptation... The Spirit of God will give you what you need so that you find a way of escape. And that is that lane that the fullback is looking for that opens up because the offensive line is doing their job. It's interesting. You'll see it even today if you watch some of these games. When the offense comes off the field, the quarterback will go sit down. His offensive coordinator will be there. And oftentimes, they'll be printing out pictures from the, from the previous set of downs So he can see this is how the defense is set against you. So if we will come with this strategy, we're going to advance this ball and we're going to end up scoring. And at the end of the day, we're going to make a touchdown. They're constantly adjusting because they're not in cooperation. It's a constant effort to figure out how do we advance. The defense, however, is doing the same thing 
seeing what the offensive schemes are so that they can set defenses to offset what this offense is trying to do. Satan, according to Ephesians 6, it's like he spends day and night in a war room checking your life and mine, strategizing our demise. That's his goal. The flesh will never cooperate with the spirit. But here's the good news. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. For the mind that is preoccupied with the spirit and the things of God leads to a life of peace. The life that is dominated by the flesh leads to death, leads to disorder, leads to chaos. But the life that is directed of the Spirit. In other words, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not do the deeds of the flesh. We will not gratify the flesh. The operation, the defense is against us, but it has no control and no victory. We have the victory. Let's put our hands together that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't gratify the lusts of the flesh. That's good news today. Now, in case we're wondering what the flesh or the sinful nature leads to, he gives us a list. Let's go to verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then here's the list. And he goes from sexual sin to religious sin. It's documented. It's, if I need to know how I'm doing, if I need to know if the flesh is dominating or the spirit, I'm given an incredible way to assess that. Just look and see, is my life manifesting what I see on that list? We won't go to it just yet, but the next set of verses list the fruit of the spirit. So which one am I walking in? What's the dominating disposition of my life. This helps me to assess. I think it's important to notice the, the last part of verse 21. Anyone living that sort of life, in other words, according to that list, which is the desires of the sinful nature, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is writing to the Galatians. He is writing to the church. He is writing to people that are saved. Just like in Romans 7 and 8, Paul was writing to Christians. It's showing them this battle that's internal and must be won. Paul's writing Christians. So they're in the family of God. But if they continue to walk according to the flesh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what he's teaching us is that there are blessings. And we all know as Christians there are incredible blessings in the Lord. But if we are walking according to the flesh, we are forfeiting the full inheritance of what it is to be a joint heir of Jesus Christ. We're missing the peace, power, victory. We're missing 
the life of walking in the victory of the Spirit. We're not inheriting the blessings of the lifestyle of which we have entered as Christians. Be challenged with that because it's an important word. And then let's look at verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And then we get a list. I think it's interesting that the flesh and its list is listed as actions or deeds. Actions, plural. The deeds of the flesh, plural. When you get to the Spirit and its list, its fruit, singular, followed by nine kinds of fruit. That's just interesting to me. So what seems to rise out of that comparison in my research is that when you are living according to the flesh, each one of those sins listed there leads to several levels of disorder and chaos in your life and in the relationships of your life. And so it is plural. When you come to the fruit of the Spirit... Singular in the word fruit, plural, or a list, but yet all coming from this relationship in the Lord. It's that they're in harmony. The unity is, is I think, the point. Now, let's take Scripture and let Scripture be its own best interpreter. In Genesis, there was disorder, but the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. And the first work of the Holy Spirit was order out of chaos. Come to Ezekiel 37, valley of dry bones, bones scattered all over the valley, scattered and very dry. And when the Holy Spirit moved, it brought order, form. And then when the Holy Spirit breathed, it brought power. And you see the progress, the coming together. It, it was all part of a synchronized work of the Spirit, bringing a life in harmony with its purpose. When we grow the fruit of the Spirit, it synchronizes. It's like the maestro is leading the orchestra of the Holy Spirit, the, the administration of the work of the Spirit within us, all building into these pieces of a life that has a rhythm and a great influence. Now, I would like for us to take this whole idea of walking in the Spirit, this whole idea of works of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit, and just consider this and study it in your own devotional time. Back in Galatians 4, and you have to go there, it talks about Abraham, and it talks about Isaac and Ishmael. And it's interesting that we get all this talk about Ishmael, and Isaac in chapter 4 and then in chapter 5 you get this list of the deeds of the flesh and then you get the list called the fruit of the spirit and it, it brings an incredible teaching of are we nurturing Isaac or are we nurturing Ishmael Ishmael is that type of the flesh and Abraham nurtured Ishmael Abraham helped Ishmael grow Abraham loved Ishmael. But it was going to be destructive. So, 
here comes Isaac. And Isaac is being nurtured and Abraham is loving Isaac and nurturing Isaac. Now he has the flesh and the spirit. Couldn't they just get along? Can't they cooperate? No. One had to go. And it's a strong, strong word from God about this is not easy. But if we are going to walk in the spirit, then we realize it's going to confront the flesh and its deeds. Some things are going to have to be crucified. Some things are going to have to be let go. Wow. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, or sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the the negative progression. But his delight, now back to the blessed man, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, for he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of living water. His fruit will come forth in its season. And it will not wither. Always prevailing. Always succeeding. There's a nourishment. There's an abiding power planted by the river. We're abiding in Christ. We're walking in the spirit. And so there is a victory. Life at another level. The ungodly are not so. There's a negative progression. Walking in the wrong counsel. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And then it suspends to where we're just standing, no longer progressing. Now the despair is sitting in the seat of the scornful. And you hear people say, how did I end up here? Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We've heard this, we have to crucify the flesh. I think this deserves an entire message. I will point out a few things. All of us want fulfillment. God offers fulfillment. But this kind of self-fulfillment cannot occur without self-denial. We have overvalued comfort until it leads to a carnal Christianity to where we're trying to get the flesh and the spirit to cooperate. Let me say it like this. If we refuse to settle for anything less than God's best, which is what we should do, His pleasing and perfect will, then we will not experience it without the strain of working our spiritual muscles. Any great achievement, someone who's risen in the levels of education and expertise and they they have stretched their mind, they will tell you the great success that they shared did not come without sacrifice and even pain, long hours, disciplined study, denying all these other things so that they could give themselves to their pursuit. No great athlete achieves a level of greatness without going through, at times, torture of their own body so that they can push themselves to be at their absolute best. And in the American gospel, there is this subtlety that it's just all comfort. 
Because that's the spirit of the age. And, and we get it our way and we shape our theology so that it doesn't stretch us. So that it doesn't call for a crucifying of the flesh. We need to come back and say, you know what, along the way, we are called to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. We are called to know that if we want the fulfillment of walking in the Spirit, then we're going to have to know the denial when it comes to the the deeds of the flesh. Can you say amen? Well, let's move to verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Other versions say, since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Two different things. We live by the Spirit. You cannot have life in the Spirit apart from salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, confront that. It starts there. You you can't know life without salvation. But you can be saved And be this Roman 7 miserable Christian. Or you can move on to Romans 8. Where you experience the law of the spirit of life. Where you walk in the spirit. So if we're going to live by the spirit. Then let us walk in the spirit. And I'll close with this reminder of what it means to walk in the spirit. This whole message. The importance is walking in the spirit. Why? Because... The flesh is against us, and the two will never cooperate. We walk in the Spirit. Why? Because we don't want to gratify the deeds of the flesh. And there's a list of them, and it's just the partial list. We don't want to be a part of that. But we do want to grow the fruit of the Spirit, all of which is about walking in the Spirit. We're going to live by the Spirit. We need to walk, so how do we walk in the Spirit? Walking is about what direction? If I'm going to exit to my left, That's a direction. My feet will not take me there until it is ordered by my mind. My direction is set by my thinking. Walking in the Spirit, here is not allowing this whole idea to be uh, difficult. This is the practical, powerful application. Walking in the Spirit starts with the discovery of God's way. There are two ways to do life, God's way and the wrong way. That's it. So what is God's way? It speaks to how I think, how I relate to the next most important relationships in my life, in my situation that happens to be to my wife and then to my kids and then to my calling. It speaks to every one of those. It speaks to how I manage money, how I manage time, how I manage emotions. It speaks to all of life. I do the discovery of what is God's way that's setting my direction. If I allow those thoughts to prevail, it's going to lead to life and peace. Direction, now dependency. The Spirit's power so that I can take the steps in the direction of God's plan for my life. All right? Let's talk about that dependency for a moment. What came to my mind as I was saying, Lord, I refuse to let this be difficult, this idea of walking in the Spirit. My mind raced to what happens in an airport. How many of you have been in an airport, you're, you get off one plane at gate 3, and you've got to go to gate 52 to get to your next flight? 
And as you're walking in the hallway from gate 2 to gate 53, you get on one of those moving sidewalks. Shake your head, say yes. Very good. And now, you've not changed your pace. You're just walking, but you're going farther, faster. Because now there's a power source, and you're in partnership with that power. You have set a direction. You are now putting one foot in front of the other, but there's a power that is allowing you to pick up the pace without more strain or difficulty. It's just amazing. And that came to my mind. That is a great picture of dependency upon the Holy Spirit to empower us to go from gate two of our spiritual journey to gate 53. And we go from gate two to gate 53, not in the strain of our own effort. No, we just submit. We do cooperate. But there is a power that is taking us farther, faster, and delivering us there. And it's, it's coming from another source. Now, here's something that's amazing. As you get on that, there's just a consistency. Man, it, it, it's going. It's, I love that. I wish we had them in these hallways. On the church. I wish they were everywhere in life. I just love going farther, faster. That's a great concept. Put them in everywhere. The power of the Holy Spirit, somebody needs to hear this. You've got a lot of difficulty, even negativity, even defeat in your life. And when you think about going from gate 2 to gate 53, because you should be there, you think about the fact that you should already be there, but you're not. You've neglected spiritual focus and, and commitment. And you could allow the enemy to settle in and say, you will never get there. Look at the time you've wasted. And regret can, can cause you to remain in the seat of the scornful. I want you to hear this. I feel this in my spirit right now. If you will, will set your direction by God's way and start moving, the power of the Spirit is going to give you a speed, and you're going to get there a lot faster than you ever thought. Hear that. It's not going to take as long and be as hard as you think. Is there anybody in this room? That's good news. That's awesome. Now, I'm on one of those not too long ago, doing my deal, walking. This is, I had a long time between flights. I got off that thing, took the one back. Then got back and went to, I just, I love them. I just love anything that takes me farther, faster. And I'm walking along, these other people walk, and this guy, about 15 yards in front of me, he trips and he falls down. As he gets back up, do you know what amazed me? He had still progressed even though he had fallen down. There was a consistency even though he slipped up. If you will depend on the Spirit, even when you slip up, you're still making progress. You're telling me there can be a consistency even in my imperfection. You bet. The Spirit wants to say that to you. That way, when you slip up, and you get back up. See? He's still taking you forward. 
Now, come back to little Rayleigh, who saw the balloon and watched it soar. And I watched her eyes, and that whole experience impacted my life. Rayleigh has recently learned to walk. And when she walks, she still, on occasion, she will fall down. Nobody criticizes her. We celebrate the progress. Because it is progress. It wasn't too long ago she wasn't walking at all. Now she's walking. So she falls down. So what? We just encourage her to get back up. And that whole thing is used to help her be stronger next time. Celebrate your progress. If you will depend on the Holy Spirit, even when you fall down, if you will get back up, there's even a consistency in your failure. Because none of us are going to bat a thousand. None of us are going to be perfect. And in a culture that celebrates perfection, remember that the church celebrates progress. So I, I, that guy could have gone and said, this is amazing. I fell down. But look, I'm not where I used to. I'm still going forward. Isn't that how the Lord does it? Think about when you got saved to where you are now. You've fallen short many times. So have I. But look, we're so far from where we used to be. Can we celebrate that we can set a direction, depend on the Spirit, and we can live a consistent, victorious Christian life? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. You, my friend, can walk in the Spirit. Set your direction by God's way. Depend on the Holy Spirit to empower you. Through that, you develop a consistency. And what is that? Christ likeness, love, joy, peace, goodness, tenderness, faith, all of these incredible characteristics of the consistent Christian life. And when you slip up and you're not as meek as you should be or as kind as you should be, get back up. But notice, when you do, you've still been progressing because that 